0: The newly elected batch of lawmakers will be stepping up to their posts next week, but the identity of the new legislative speaker is still up in the air. The DPP wants Yoshi kun and Chi-chang to remain in their posts as legislative speaker and deputy speaker. Meanwhile, the KMT is hoping to get Han Kuo-yu and Johnny Zhang In the posts.
1: But as none of the three parties in the legislature have a majority, gaining support from the tiny Taiwan People's Party, which holds the balance of power, will be crucial for both of the larger parties. The TPP says it wants the KMT's Han and DPP's Yo to speak directly with its party caucus before it decides which larger party to cooperate with. TPP Chair Cohen Jo says all party lawmakers will vote as a bloc and that any that don't will be expelled from the party. Both Yo and Han have said they will try to garner support from the TPP. Japan's de facto ambassador Katayuma. Katsuyuki thanked Taiwan on Friday for raising over 540 million NT in private donations for relief to a deadly earthquake that struck Ishikawa Prefecture earlier this month.
0: Japan's Chief Cabinet Secretary Hayashi Yoshimasa also offered thanks earlier this week, saying that these donations from Taiwan's people were clear proof of Taiwan's friendship
2: with Japan. After the strong earthquake in Ishikawa prefecture, Taiwan's foreign and health ministries jointly set up a designated bank account for donations to raise funds for disaster relief and reconstruction. In just two weeks, the amount raised was over 540
0: million NT.
3: We are extremely moved by this. In just two weeks, from January 5th to when the designated account closed on January 19th, more than 134-thousand donations poured in and a total of more than 540 million NT was received. These donations amount to more than just adding up numbers. They also represent the deep affection of countless Taiwanese people. Today, we will transfer this kindness from Taiwan and hand it over to Japan to help people in disaster-stricken areas escape catastrophe and heal their trauma. After the earthquake, Foreign Minister Joseph Wu immediately contacted me to express his condolences and said Taiwan would provide all possible support and so on, which was extremely heartwarming. From natural disasters to supporting each other during the COVID pandemic, I believe these actions are a testament to the friendship between Taiwan and Japan.
2: Japan's de facto ambassador, Katayama Kazuyuki, received a donation plaque from Foreign Minister Joseph Wu, which read, cheering on Japan. Katayama said he was very moved and expressed his sincere gratitude to Taiwan, saying Japan and Taiwan are always extending a helping hand to each other in times of disaster at the first moment and giving each other mutual support. Many executives from Japanese companies were present at Friday's press conference. There was also Tokimitsu Shigehito, who was representing citizens of stricken Ishikawa Prefecture. He said he wanted to return home and spread the word about Taiwan's good deeds.
3: Because Taiwan is strong and confident, it can be warm and kind to its neighbors. I think this kind of strength, gentleness and kindness is the so-called Taiwanese spirit. Thank you, friends from Taiwan."
2: Earlier on Tuesday, Japan's chief cabinet secretary, Hayashi Yoshimasa, also thanked Taiwan for its donations at a press conference.
3: I would like to express my deep gratitude for the tremendous support received from the Taiwanese people. I believe this is a clear proof of Taiwan's friendship with Japan.
2: Taiwan and Japan often help each other out in times of trouble. This latest round of fundraising for disaster relief symbolizes the friendship between the two nations is getting even warmer.
0: The Taoyuan Union of Pilots on Thursday announced two possible periods for the potential EVA air pilot strike. The strike could take place over any number of days during the Lunar New Year and the Tomb Sweeping
1: Festival. Travel agents say such a strike would cause major disruptions to long haul flights to Europe and the Americas. In Asia, flights to Bangkok and Da Nang in Vietnam would be hardest hit. Let's hear from a travel agent and the transport minister. <laughs> If it happens,
3: we will confirm the costs of bookings with sales representatives and consumers, and the flights will be refunded in full. In principle, we will be quite lenient in processing other bookings for things like hotels, transportation and meals. Everyone is a victim in these scenarios." The union is asking for a pay rise of 20 percent for EVA air pilots. It's going to be very hard to reach an agreement on that. This Lunar New Year break, we are expecting about 151,000 daily international departures and arrivals. About 38,000 passengers are traveling with EVA air. A strike would affect about 15,000 passengers out of the 151,000 daily passengers, so about 10% of passengers.
1: EVA Air has issued a statement saying that it will offer refunds to passengers as soon as a strike is announced. Rebookings for other dates will be processed with no processing fees. With no agreement yet on the horizon, many people's travel plans will depend on the negotiations before the spring festival break. Since the United Nations Climate Change Summit, or COP28, concluded in mid-December, Pacific Island nations have been working to implement a brand-new 500 million U.S. dollar climate protection fund.
0: Palau president advocates protecting the Pacific Ocean for it is the largest carbon sink in the world. Voice of America's correspondent, Jessica Stone
4: reports scientists say these are among the most endangered shorelines on the planet the Pacific Island nations Niue the Marshall Islands Micronesia Palau together they are on the front line of the battle against climate change
1: as ocean states we say protection of the oceans is an important component because it's the largest carbon sink. Every second breath you take comes from the ocean.
4: Palau President tsuringel Whips Jr. says ocean conservation has long been a way of life for those who live in the Pacific Islands. Palauan Environment Minister Stephen Victor provides this example from the 1990s.
1: The fishermen and their local chiefs got together and then uh, decided that uh, these were areas that uh, needed uh, uh, rest from uh, fishing to allow them uh, to recover. We should be proud
3: of our historic achievement."
4: At last year's United Nations Climate Change Summit, or COP28, Pacific Island Nations announced the Blue Pacific Prosperity Initiative and raised $228 million towards a $500 million fund to conserve 30 percent of the ocean. National Geographic's Pristine Seas Program is already helping Palau set up a marine protected area and stands ready to advise other Pacific nations as well says founder Henrik Sala.
3: We are there um, for the long haul to make sure that um, the protected areas are designed properly, located in the right places, so they can maximize the benefits to marine life, to local people, and to the climate.
4: Sala says walling off critical fishing grounds is a proven way to replenish them within 5 to 10 years. But he says the longer-term objective is to put a dent in global warming.
0: The plankton in the ocean, these microscopic algae and bacteria that live uh, offshore, they they capture a quarter of the CO two emissions that we produce every
4: year. And Palau President Whip says it's a goal that represents an investment not only for the region but for the world. And our first goal is to get to 500 million.
1: You know, I'd like to see it the fund get up to. Uh, um, Uh, two billion, it's it's 15 countries.
4: Fifteen countries desperate to protect their precious resources. Jessica Stone, VOA News.
0: Korean barbecue is popular among diners, but one restaurant in New Taipei City does things
1: a little differently. Their pork jowl comes in the shape of a rose. It is smoked in rosewood and longan wood before it makes it to the grill in an enticing combination.
2: Smoke fills a glass display, enshrouding a pork flower, revealed as the vapours dissipate. The scent of lungang and rosewood bursts forth, permeating the pork before it makes it to the barbecue. The entire flour is placed on the grill, sizzling as it hits the heat. One strip of pork is rolled to look like a pistol, with more wrapped around it as the petals. But it's not ready to serve yet. The chef first puts longan and rosewood in the smoker. Add a bit of flame and smoke gradually fills the glass, giving the pork a smoky aroma.
3: At first I used oolong and green tea because I thought it would give a tea flavour when grilled, but it ended up tasting charred. After a lot of experimenting, I discovered that these two types of wood, when combined, give the best flavour.
2: Diners can also try the sweet chicken wings wrapped in ham, corn and cheese, and grilled over charcoal. Then out comes the blowtorch to caramelise the outer layer and soften the cheese inside, the crispy exterior giving way to a gooey inside.
3: I wanted to incorporate one of my favorites, caramelized salmon sushi, so I put some cheese inside and added butter, ham and corn, then dipped it in sugar before torching it.
2: There's also Andung chicken stew made with chicken, potatoes and rice cakes, steeped in a sweet and spicy sauce. The top can also be covered with cheese, stretched into trailing threads when hot to cover the chicken and rice cakes with creamy goodness. Korean cuisine lends itself to play with flavors that defy the imagination.
1: Taiwan's tennis ace Hsieh Shu Wei has won her seventh Grand Slam title. The win comes from a remarkable performance at the mixed doubles final with her Polish partner Jan Zielinski. It was a nail
0: biter of a three set match that twice went into tie breakers. Now, Xie is preparing for another final match in the women's doubles this Sunday with hopes of winning a second title at this year's Australian Open. <laughs>
3: Xie Su Wei and mixed doubles partner Jan Zielinski from Poland won a nail-biter of a match on Friday against Desiree Krafczyk from the U.S. and Neil Skupski from the U.K. The win is Xie's first-ever mixed doubles Grand Slam trophy and the seventh Grand Slam title of her career. For Xie and Zielinski, it was a hard-won battle in the final. In the first set, Sheer and Zielinski were trailing behind 3-5. They managed to turn the tide, bagging three sets in a row. But they were soon stuck in a tiebreaker for the seventh set. Ultimately, they were defeated by their rivals 5-7. The second game also started off with Sheer and Zielinski falling behind 2-4. But a veritable show of resilience got them back in the lead after winning three sets in a row. With a volley at the net, Sheer made the winning move for the game points, snatching the game 6-4. With the score 1-1, the two sides staged an intense game for the win. The scores climbed up to 8-9 in favor of the US-UK team, who held a championship point. But Sheer broke the point and with three more points bagged another set. Sheer and Zielinski got back in the lead to strike a win 11-9.
1: Thank you so much to write me the message because I was not sure who I could play mixed double until you write me the message. So thank you for picking up for the mixed double banner. Thank you.
3: you. (laughs) The win was Jelinski's first Grand Slam title. Thanks to, thanks to my partner. Like she said, we didn't know to the last minute who we we're going to play the mixed doubles with. Uh, I was looking until the very last day or second last day. We found each other on the looking list and it worked out pretty well. With one trophy secured, Xie is now headed for the women's doubles finals on Sunday, where she could win a second title in the championship.
0: Last year, the 3rd Special Police Corps acquired a new member. Taiwan's first electronics detection dog. On Friday, Decor gave reporters a glimpse into the how the dog, called Wafer, carries
1: out its job. Wafer is able to find electronics such as mobile phones and hard drives just by sniffing the air. The dog came to Taiwan as a donation from a nonprofit organization and is now an invaluable member of the police force. Let's hear from a nonprofit that made this possible
4: we fund a, a lot of dogs. So w- when we see a need that police has, which is usually a lack of funding, um, we have generous donors that donate their money to assist police. These dogs cost about $15,000 U.S. per dog. We took the trainers from here from Taiwan to send them to the U.S. for two weeks. So that's where my organization will step in and we will fund that for them. We quickly agreed and we saw that Taiwan has that that drive to combat human trafficking and has a very great reputation for these digital crimes uh, with cryptocurrency and with these these new higher tech digital crimes Um, it was a great partnership
1: the u.s has more than a hundred electronic detection dogs in service the Operation Underground Railroad focuses its efforts on combating child sexual exploitation and human trafficking. In these cases, evidence found in electronics plays a big role in investigative processes. Two-year-old Whitford has was trained and donated to Taiwan free of charge as part of a Taiwan-U.S. cooperation plan. A film by Taiwanese-American director S. Leo Chang about Taiwan's offshore Jingwen County has been shortlisted in the Best Documentary Short Film category in this year's Academy Awards. The documentary, Island
0: in Between, also explores geopolitics and Taiwan's uneasy relationship with China.
3: Fortresses, camouflage military uniforms, and battlefield monuments. Taiwanese American director S. Leo Chiang has shot these scenes of daily life in Jinmen for his documentary Island in Between. It has received a nomination in the 96th Academy Awards Best Documentary Short Film Category.
4: But it was still a shock to see that China
3: is literally right there. Chiang was born in Taiwan and grew up in the US. He once gave up a job at Apple to pursue his dream of being a filmmaker. In addition to talking about the memories of his father serving as a soldier in Jinmen, in the documentary he also spreads out his Taiwanese and American passports along with his Taiwan compatriot permit issued by China. He also examines life in Jinmen from different perspectives. I have split the last 15 years of my life, going between Taiwan, China, and the U.S. More and more, I feel like a kid whose parents are involved in a three-way custody battle. The documentary's title in English, Island in Between, is also a metaphor for Taiwan. The film provokes audiences to turn their attention to geopolitics and cross-strait relations. Chiang also hopes that it can play a role of advocating for peace and deepen the connection between Taiwan and the international community, amplifying the power of people-to-people diplomacy. The Ministry of Culture immediately congratulated him and said it hoped he would win the coveted gold statuette. There have also been enthusiastic responses to Chiang's documentary on social media. Chiang has drawn the world's attention to Taiwan and provoked audiences to reflect on its situation.
0: Today we take you to an immersive exhibition inspired by the Conjuring universe.
1: Visitors can enter 16 rooms featuring classic scenes from the horror franchise. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang has the highlights.
5: The exhibition features 16 rooms. One of the rooms is Bee's room. This immersive exhibit recreates scenes from the Conjuring films, the Annabelle movies, and The Nun. Visitors can experience 16 rooms featuring classic scenes like the Bee's Room, Annabelle's Closet, and Curse Peron Mansion. Some of the props are straight from the movie sets themselves.
3: There were nuns when I first walked in, and I felt super anxious. I didn't know they were real or fake. Halfway through, I realized that they were real nuns. I was scared to death. I didn't think it would be this scary, but from beginning to end, this exhibition was terrifying. It felt real, like the
1: movie.
3: It's 100% like the movie. It is a very real, realistic experience.
5: This is Warren's Artifact Room, an occult museum full of haunted objects. The room features the Paran music box that appeared in the Conjuring films, as well as the accordion playing monkey. The exhibition features spine-chilling light and sound effects, and visitors can interact with characters like nuns Annabelle and Valak. The experience is full of creepy surprises.
3: They all look like the ones in the movies and are restored very well. There are many nuns at the entrance, and they get really close to you.
5: The exhibition is currently on a world tour with Taiwan as the second stop. It will be in Taipei until April 7th. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Yang Kai in Taipei.
1: Ten years ago, a giant inflatable rubber duck on Gaosheng's Ji- uh, Love River charmed both locals and out-of-towners. Now the rubber duck is back with a twin. The two ducks will take their spots on the Love River on Saturday morning. And already, the harbor area is packed with
0: duck-inspired decorations to build up hype. The artist behind the artworks is also in the city eager to bring joy to all with his double duck spectacle.
3: On the shore of the Love River, two giant rubber duckies are inflated to test for leaks. Already they are looking adorable. Locals say they can't wait for the two cute ducks to be back.
2: I really can't wait. I love these kinds of things.
3: The rubber duck first appeared in Kaohsiung 10 years ago, and now it will be back in double form on January 27th. The artist behind the urban installation Florentine Hoffman from the Netherlands touched down in Kaohsiung International Airport on Thursday evening. He was immediately shown pictures of the test inflation, which brought a smile to his face.
4: Great! Uh, it's the second
1: time. Second. second? OK. So, are people already looking?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with this event, we bring two ducks. So it's going to be the double ducks, uh, which will bring double joy, uh, obviously."
3: So how will the ducks be displayed once they're installed, together or apart? The Kaohsiung city government remains tight-lipped on its plans.
2: They are still making adjustments. The best location will allow everyone to have sweet memories. These past few days, everyone on Facebook has been reposting pictures from 10 years ago to reminisce.
3: To build up hype before the ducks are installed, the city government has put a few surprises in the harbour area. Look closely and you'll find that the traffic lights for pedestrians on Hybian Road now display a rubber ducky saying, I'm back. Many people have stopped to snap a shot.
2: I think it's so cute. It makes it less boring to wait for the traffic light
3: things are getting cute at Kaohsiung Seaside Promenade. The art installations will be inaugurated on Saturday at 10am as the two ducks swim to their spots. For a bit of charming yellow fun this winter holiday, why not watch the giant duckies at Kaohsiung?